welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. I don't know about you, but I think making a ton of money and having a ton of money is absolutely fantastic. And our guest tonight is going to teach us how to get into the abundance mentality, how to receive abundance and be on that frequency. Because I don't know about you, but I think that we, you know, we deserve it. We work hard. You should have a ton of money. Money is great because you can purchase experiences in this life incarnation. And this idea that some religions say, eh, money is, is all evil. It's all evil. What a stupid, stupid saying. It's so stupid. You could have a money and you could do great things. You could donate to charities, causes that you want. You could have Lamborghinis. And this idea that they say, oh, money can't buy happiness, I think that's a bunch of crap too because I think it absolutely can buy happiness. Because if you're sad, you could just go out and buy an island, buy a Lamborghini, and buy a bunch of people who will like you. So however way you want to do it, let's start the show because this show is all about the abundance, the abundance that you deserve. Let's get you there. Let's get you making a ton of money. And uh, let's, yeah, let's go. Woo! Joining us now is Lisa Peterson. She's an entrepreneur coach and abundance mentor. We've never had an abundance mentor on our program before. So this marks an historic first. You learn more about this, Peterson, by going to your website at wealthclinic.com. Ms. Peterson, welcome to the program. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Ryan, for having me as a guest. I'm so excited to talk with you. So, so I guess... First question I have, and I'm sure people are asking, what is an abundance mentor? Great question. You know, it's funny, too, because I think that it's more around the question that I asked myself 20 years ago that led me to this that might be more telling. And it was really this idea of where does happiness come from? Where, how do we get it? And that actually took me to this place of realizing that by focusing my attention and my life's work on trying to answer this question of what brings us happiness has brought me to this realization that abundance is really surrounding us at all times. But so often we don't, we don't notice it. We don't realize it. We don't. You know, we have blinders on. And so a mentor, an abundance mentor, is someone who reveals the truth about the situation that we're living in today, that that, that we can be going down one path and have um, lots of scarcity and challenge and difficulty, and how we can also go down a different path that brings the sense of joy and abundance into our lives. So I feel like that's what I do. Uh, do you think that people who are very poor, who have a consciousness of scarcity, where nothing's really working out, or in one way, you know, there's hope for them because they're, they're like speaking, they're generating an abundance of scarcity. Is, is the same context there laid for them to switch over to, switch over to a, uh, an abundance of prosperity mentality? I think that there's so many dimensions to that question. I think that when someone believes they are poor, then yes, you know, they're operating from a lack and scarcity mindset. But so many times there have been, you know, experiences, right, that we can all point to, Tony Robbins being one of them, where he came from that, but he refused to believe that that was going to be his destiny. 
And other side of the extreme, a few years ago, my daughter, who's 20 now, but she went to work in an orphanage in Africa, and I had been teaching about money, and she came home, and I was in the middle of teaching a class, and she started to tell me, and it was so helpful for the work that I do, that the people that she was helping in the orphanages and the people that kind of rallied, or the adults that rallied around the orphanage were some of the happiest people she had ever met in her life, and yet they were living on what would be similar to maybe less than $5 a day for us here. And that really was fascinating, right, because these people had so much joy, and even though they didn't have a lot, financially speaking, different culture than the United States, of course, but I think that there's a lot there to this, you know, that we can't just say it's just the money. Got it. And does that make sense? It does make sense. And what do you think are, are some of the keys to attaining financial abundance? What I found is that it's the bridge between the two worlds where we can achieve incredible um, abundance, incredible success. And what I mean by that is I made the object of my life for many years the pursuit of money. I came from a very negative mindset family that had a lot of scarcity um, mentality growing up and early on decided that if I had a lot of money, I wouldn't be suffering like my family was. So I made it an objective to make a lot of money. And I did that in more conventional ways than I think what, you know, I, I set I set a goal and I achieved that. My husband and I became um, very successful, you know, self-made millionaires in our early 30s. But what happened were there there were several events, um, namely when the dot-com, or not when the dot-com, but when the recession started to happen, we got a call from our financial advisor saying that all of the money that we had in liquid cash was frozen, and they weren't sure if we were ever going to get it back. And it really shook my world, obviously, from a practical standpoint, but I saw how uh, vulnerable we are when we just base our success or our value or our worth on the do- dollar amount that we have accessible to us in a bank account. Does that do you follow me with that? Yeah. That it also. It, and do you think yeah. that the the wealth is also w- within? Is it um is it necessarily a manifestation mm-hmm. without within yourself? Yeah, totally. So simultaneous to. Um, building wealth, I also started to go down this spiritual journey path about 17 years ago and started meditating and started learning about all these things that were going on inside of me, the negative self-talk, the destructive behavior, the comparitis, the, I mean, you name it, I think I was pretty shocked when I started to meditate because I was a very disturbed person. I kept a lot of stuff in and I realized over time that regardless of how much money I had, if I didn't get control of my mind and start to understand what was going on within me and what could be changed, what I had the power to change, and the idea that I could let go of these beliefs that weren't serving me, shifted my life into one where I focused a lot more on the inner work, even walking away from – 
incredible, very successful ventures that I was involved in, I would walk away from them when I realized that I was just doing it for the money and I would start something new. And then before you knew it, I'd be like, you know what? I did the same thing again. I'm still just doing this for the money. And it wasn't until I started my company where it was like, wait a minute, this is really what I'm passionate about. It scares me a lot, but I'm going to I'm going to um, learn from this process. And ultimately, I feel like the past three years of of the inner work combined with building a business has been far more mm, uh, educational than anything that I had done up to this point, because it really being an entrepreneur is an incredible bridge between what's going on inside of you and then how are you showing up in the world and what kind of experiences are you having with money? If there's, what are some of the reasons that could be blocking you from attaining financial abundance? If you are, if you're at peace with yourself, are you more inclined to, to be accepting and feel more deserving of wonderful, great things in life? Or do you think that sometimes insecurity could actually be a, a great benefit to you? That people who are insecure, who have uh, things to prove, may be more inclined, driven to work harder and to innovate in order to attain money, in order to hopefully pacify some of their insecurities. What are your thoughts on that? Do, do, do you think that abundance can be achieved on equal measure as long as there is there as long as there's an intensity an action? I think that it's a really good point where you're talking about, and there is no question that when we are motivated by fear or we feel like we have something to prove, we are going to work very, very hard to achieve the success that we set our sights on. And Granted, a lot of us do that sort of thing earlier in life, but I think as we get older, we start to see that that motivation of proving things or, um, you know, stuff that's outside of ourselves, it, it doesn't have the same pull. You know, we have other interests. We've got family. We've got um, you know, grandchildren, whatever. But what I've seen is oftentimes, that fear cannot be the thing that successfully motivates you through your whole life. There comes a place of, I guess, emotional maturity that a lot of us would like to achieve where all of a sudden it isn't about the financial success as much as it is about the self-realization, like doing the things that you're deeply passionate about. So I'd like to say that um, you can create financial wealth in both places. But I will say it oftentimes is a lot harder to uh, pursue your passion and make a lot of money doing that because if you go down that route, you really do have to look inside and clear the out that are keeping you from being able to do that. Do you follow me on that part? Yes. So if you have, let's say, uh, an emotion or a feeling of guilt or a feeling of unde- undeservingness in the subconscious, you don't clear that out. You're more inclined to self-sabotage? Is that that a clear idea? Yeah, you're more likely to um, self-sabotage. You don't take action. Like you were saying, you're going to be – fear can be a great motivator to take powerful action. Well, now, because it's all about you and your visibility, perhaps, like a lot of us in these coaching business or, you know, in radio or what have you – you have to be able to move into a situation where you can um, you can be able to uh, really sorry somebody came to the door <laughs> moving out of that space but um, I lost my train of thought so help me out Ryan 
No, just uh, talking about how in the subconscious, if you don't clear out your, if you don't clear out certain things, that it'll come back and you're off self sabotage. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that you were talking about how yeah. there's, there's certain aspects about it. You know, you talked um, if an, a lot of things on your site, wealthplanet.com, and one thing I, I love is this article you talked about embarrassing money shadows. So this idea that sometimes mm. we where our feelings about money and since I was growing up, you always hear that thought, oh, money is the root of all evil. Money is the root of all evil. Yet when you go to a religious uh, you know, service, they always seem to ask for it. I, I, I don't know. I feel that like, do you think that on a subconscious level that there are many negative messages about money being perpetuated on kids at a very early age, which causes them to not attain the full um, measure of their potential or makes it more difficult for them to become familiar, comfortable, and even in love with money and wealth? Oh, definitely. I think that we, it's very hard for us as humans to not pass our own stuff on to our kids and to other kids in a community. I mean, we don't teach kids much about finance, and often what we do teach them is loaded with emotion and pain and suffering. Even if there's money, there still may be emotional baggage that causes people to get really uncomfortable about it. So I think that the emotional piece of it, as well as these messages that you talk about from religion or this very puritanical idea that, you know, money is, you know, (laughs) there's so much there that, that is destructive because ultimately Money is just energy, and it's the energy that we, you know, expend. And instead of giving, you know, giving our time and getting um, a cow, right, we get to get money, and we're just moving money around. But it's really just an exchange of our time and our on this planet in some capacities. So when we understand money, we're so much better off in teaching young people that it's all a, it, it shouldn't have to be something that's negative and something that is loaded with emotion. It can just be this tool. And that's when I interview people for my podcast, oftentimes very successful entrepreneurs will say, you know, what's abundance or what's money? And they'll talk about money is just a tool. And that's it. You know, like it's a tool that helps me do what I do. And that's a pretty simple, clear understanding of money. You know, people walk around and they breathe. They don't think anything of it. Yet they're breathing. And it, it seems like you don't think anything of it. Air is abundance. And there are people who lie a lot. And it's, they seem to be in abundance. Yet it seems that um, there seems to be a feeling with money that even though there's a lot of it, there's a scarcity mentality. I wonder why, despite the fact that there's so much money floating around, you know, in paper assets, and precious metals, even digital currency, so much money around, yet people can have a scarcity mentality. Why do you think that people can have that scarcity mentality, despite the fact that, I mean, visibly speaking, money is, a, is abundant? Right. When I look at the coaching that I do with people, I'm always looking at what the root cause of the scarcity that they're experiencing is. And I will say, there are some commonalities, but there's also a lot of unique stories for people of what they experienced young in life. So Cambridge University did a study several years ago that said that our money personality is formed by the age of seven. 
So even before we're engaging with money, we already have the imprint of how we're going to show up with money. And I've even watched my kids uh, go through this, and, and I'm like, wow, they could be so different growing up in the same home. But they saw different aspects of what was going on with money. And if we grow up in a home, like I said, in my case, where there was a lot of trauma and stress around money, it's pretty likely that I am going to have a have to deal with that scarcity mindset. Whereas there are other people I've worked with who have grown up with a lot of money, but they end up there are other things going on in their home where maybe they had a really strong father figure who was successful at making money, but no one compared to you know his ability. Maybe he had some insecurity issues. So instead of uh, it being about lack and scarcity, you know, just at the at what I call the root chakra, like in the safety and security department. Instead, it moves up into not feeling good enough. So I have scarcity around not feeling like I'm ever going to be good enough because I'm never going to measure up to my father. So when I started to see these different patterns, I started to create models to better understand, like, what is the problem that somebody's dealing with here? And then how does that affect their money? And then what can we do to help them in these different areas? All right. I just want to pull and pause for just one second because we have to explain to our incredible listeners what the chakras are. There are these little portals on your body. I think there are, what, seven or eight of them. They come in different colors. They all have a different purpose. And energy flows. I mean, we'll, we'll put a description of what the chakras are. But you mentioned the root chakra. Is that particular chakra where... A person's wealth, a deservingness, and mentality is concentrated the most. Are there other chakras that uh, are directly impacted by wealth? And after you identify those chakras, I was wondering what can a person do if they if they balance those chakras, if they put energy and positive energy around those chakras, will their wealth, deservingness, and abundance mentality increase naturally without even conscious actions? Yes, yes. So when you ask about them, you're saying what, how do they work when, so, okay, first starting with the root chakra, a lot of times there's this thought that the root chakra and money, like that's it, that's everything, because it's all about safety and support. But when I got into it, and I started really examining that belief that it was just mostly centered around the root, I realized that that wasn't true for all the people that were showing up with different challenges in their life with money. And so the more I dove in, the more I realized that it's all seven of the chakras, they just have different elements, and they have different ways that they're showing up in affecting us. Granted, we we all will have issues at some level with the root chakra, which is support and safety and security. Like there are times, even if we have a limitless supply of money, where we don't feel supported. So it doesn't just apply to money. It it actually applies to, you know, a whole lot more, right? The chakras are uh, go way back thousands and thousands of years and are based on these energy centers. So what can happen is when you become, what I noticed, is especially in the West, because most many of us don't meditate, we also aren't really doing a lot of body work with the mind and understanding how to get ourselves really centered in our body. What I realized is that as we become aware of these centers, we can bring our attention through guided meditation 
into these areas of the body to notice, like the body will tell you when you become really, you know, um, quiet and listening to that area, it will start to show you whether it's out of balance and excessive or it's out of balance because it's recessed. And there are different qualities that we can use both um, energetically and also with our money story to see, like, what's going on. And it's fascinating because just like you said, just by giving awareness to this, it's not like magic, you know, hocus pocus. Like literally you're bringing your attentive awareness to these areas of the body, knowing a little teeny bit about chakras, and you actually start to naturally have greater balance because what you realize is you've been actually cut off from these areas and not really allowing the flow to be happening in your life. And, you know, that ties into Mahali's work around flow. Flow is really the awakening of the kundalini energy, the energy that's flowing through our body. So when these it's um, when the chakras are out of balance, the flow isn't as good as it could be. Ultimate flow is the realization that we have everything that we need to do what we want to do today and into the future. But when we're out of flow, it just feels like things are congested and clogged and not moving the way that we want. And so by staying on top of it on a daily basis, we can shift our whole entire awareness of what happens over the course of the day just by doing this work. I've always been curious about this. There are certain people who are very wealthy, and some of those people will be the ones that will be taking the uh, the towels and the um, you know things in a hotel room, even even the soaps are are leaving stingy or not leaving big tips. Is there a reason why you think some people um, do that? That can be very successful yet be very frugal at the same time, very cheap. Uh, isn't that? Do you think that in some way that could be? Is that a um, is that two energy philosophies kind of conflicting with each other? Yes. Yeah. In fact. This it's it's interesting because I'm writing a story right now about like a a finance novel that's talking about this because we can be excessive in one chakra and recessive in another. You know, like it doesn't it it can be very like when we try to understand ourselves, it's really hard because we're like, wait a minute, I have all this money, I work really hard, but I find myself like taking this stuff and collecting it because it's available to me and it's not stealing or whatever. You know, like so many things that don't make sense around money and the idea is is that yes you can see it in this blueprint but you can also i think even most of the time when we do these things it's because like you mentioned earlier like guilt or shame or there's something that we're not in alignment with and that's what that's why i like shadow work so much because oftentimes the things that we're holding in the darkness about our relationship with money are the things that are actually holding us back. And when we bring them into the light and we accept them and allow them to be part of ourselves without excessive, you know, avoidance or, um, you know, to on the other side of that kind of aggressiveness, we realize that the thing that we were thinking was so bad actually isn't bad and has helped us. And then we open the doorway to um, not having that thing hide us. For me, it was like greed. I had a shadow around greed. And when that fell apart, I was it was so refreshing because I was like, you know what? My greed, you know, that I was ashamed of from some stories of growing up, 
now came into the light. And I remember the first time I told somebody, I'm like, I am, have been afraid that I'm a greedy person, you know, and they laughed. And I was like, well, that's not really, you know, how I feel about it. Like I was pretty upset. But what the reason I could bring it out of the light is I realized that my tendencies around being frugal and, you know, definitely watching my money tightly had allowed me to have incredible freedom for myself and for my family. And we wouldn't have been able to do the things that we did had I not been, you know, what I thought was like a greedy person. In the end, that wasn't really true, but I thought it was. And that was that was what was causing me a great deal of grief and keeping me from showing up in the world in the way that I wanted to, because I was afraid that if I was trying to make a lot of money or trying to sell, then people would see me as a greedy person. You could see how that would stop you in your tracks if you're building a business with that belief. Yes, having those beliefs. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your spiritual growth, your spiritual development, and how your spirituality has impacted not only your perspectives on wealth and abundance, but your perspectives on where you see yourself as a place in the universe. Mm, beautiful question. There's, there has been um, not a day that's gone by, you know, that I haven't felt incredibly fortunate to have been the person that I am who doesn't stop until I really get the answers that I'm seeking. And because of that drive, whether it's because, you know, I was using it to make money or I was using it to understand spirituality, it's really served me because I mean, I'll just talk for a minute about where I am today, because I think I shared a little bit about where I came from. I mean, I don't know if I had told you, but when I was growing up, my dad dealt drugs and was a very abusive person. And I I had so much struggle in my youth that I really didn't know if I would live, you know, beyond my early 20s because I was so unhappy. And I think that when people hear that, they know what I'm talking about. Like, you just you just don't know what to do with yourself. Even though I like to see the glass half full, I couldn't get out of my own way. My my thoughts just overcame me constantly, and I constantly second-guessed myself. And so now, you know, 20 years later, what has happened is being a parent and being a wife, my husband and I have been together for 30 years, and I know for a fact that we would never have made it this far if I hadn't done the work that I did and mainly what I've done through mindfulness practices is dive into every aspect that I can uncover to examine, like, is this belief, is this way of being helping me to create more joy in my life or is it something that's causing me harm? Is it something that's causing me pain? Is it something that's causing other people pain? Like being totally fearless about looking at who I am and how I'm showing up. And when I was young, I didn't have great role models. I did a lot of bad things. I didn't really hesitate to lie. You mentioned about that or even take things that weren't mine. Like I just did what my family did because I didn't really question it. It just seemed like that's what you do. When you don't have anything, you just take when you can get it. And so being able to shift my level of awareness to this place of love and compassion and understanding and freedom from judgment. I mean, I I used to think that my family was judgmental, but when I started writing, 
I realized that I was the most judgmental person in my family. And being able to change that way of being where I, first of all, was able to notice that I had these bad habits and later on actually move through the emotional releases with mentors and also eventually, you know, learning how to do it for myself. But now people come to me to help them because I think they feel that I'm not just talking about this, like this is stuff that I've done in my own life or I would not share it with anybody. I never claim, you know, to do something that is beyond what I've done for my own self. And the level of happiness and joy in my family and with my kids and with my, you know, loved ones and with my clients and friends is just beyond anything that I think I could have ever imagined. That's really wonderful. That's a great answer. It's a great answer. And as you continue to teach and as you continue to write and do your show, your own show, which is fantastic, by the way, and I just want to give everyone a quick reminder of where they can find Ms. Peterson. Website is Lisa, L-E-I-S-A, Peterson.com. You can go on there, see Ms. Peterson's books, links to her shows. You can even hire her to speak. And she's got some re- retreats. And it's fantastic. You're doing a retreat in Hawaii. So you can go catch some waves and uh, learn how to make a billion dollars, which is fantastic. But um, what are some of the other purposes that you have? What are some of your other goals that you have in your life at this point? Do you want to continue to expand your company? Do you, do you want to continue to, to teach more people? Do you um, hope to take your style of teaching and make it something that could even be taught in schools eventually? Yeah, that's that's a great thought. I feel like there's so much opportunity, and I do trust that the things that come to me and the things that appear are guiding me along that path. So I wouldn't say that I have this big long-term plan because I notice how much things change from year to year. I can tell you that I'm deeply passionate about teaching people of all ages about finance, but not just teaching them the traditional ways. Because of my experience as a financial advisor and working in finance for so many years and then also being an intuitive, what what I think is missing in the equation with finance is that we don't allow people the space to look at the emotional experience of money before we move into teaching them about the practical aspects of it. And I've proven through my classes again and again that when we clear out the shame and the guilt and the other stuff, the regret that we're holding on to with money, we become totally clear and open and able to understand what to do next. And we're, like, really ripe for receiving information about investing and about hiring professionals to help us so that we don't get taken advantage of or that we're not overpaying for the services that we receive. So if you deal with the emotional stuff first, you're going to have a much bigger impact in helping somebody shift their financial behavior in the future. And that's the big idea that I would love to share with as many people as possible. How do you charge a fee-for-service that is appropriate for the marketplace but also respectful to yourself? Some person may charge $10.00. For example, to shovel the driveway. Well, another person can say with confidence that they're going to charge $100 to shovel the driveway. Where's the fine line between charging what you're worth and charging what is appropriate 
for the, whatever's in the marketplace? Well, the first thing I think we want to do, right, is we want to look at, like, why is it, why, how is it showing up? Is it, is it something where you can see in your own life you are not being paid sufficiently for the work that you do? I think that intuitively we all have the ability to ask that question and know the answer pretty quick. If the answer is yes, I am being, I am underpaid. I think that the most important thing we can do is realize that until we believe that we're capable of operating at the level that we want to be operating at, we can't just tell ourselves to do something differently. So the more time we can spend in researching, you know, like I'm a big researcher. So like what, what is being charged out there? You know, talk to friends, find out what the various ranges are, find out what services are being provided for what you're charging, like do whatever you can to establish a baseline and then start to ask yourself, like, are there things that I could do that would increase the perceived value of the services that I provide. I mean, obviously, this is just one one aspect of it, but I think that it's most important to realize that you're the one who has to be convinced first, because if you're not convinced and you go to the market charging something that you're not convinced about, it's less likely it's going to be successful, and you still may talk yourself out of it or end up doing other things because, um, you kind of try to give, make up the value, like, oh, they paid this, and now I better throw this in because I charge so much. You know, like, there's there's so much to be said for getting really clear and ultimately speaking that truth of where you want to be and and um, confidently, right, and also being willing to trial and error, test things, and if they don't work, then you try something else, but don't give up. Like, just know that the potential is there. Does that help? Yes, it does help. And even for people who are developing a more comfort with abundance that really do try to seek it out, are there some tips and advice you would offer to people that if they make subtle changes that they would actually magnify their chances of increasing their abundance? I'll give you an example. Should they dress a certain way? Are there certain colors that tend to elicit an emotion in people that makes them more comfortable and we're willing to spend money with you? Or is there a tonality to how you should be speaking? Should you mimic the way a person breathes? I, I asked that last one because I remember reading about it in Tony Robbins. I think he was saying that you should mimic people and mimic their breathing patterns. And it's, it's subconsciously or subtly allows them to be more comfortable with you. What are, is there anything that you think, anything I've said or things that you have in your mind that enhance your ability to make people comfortable doing business with you and hence, you know, helping you to build your uh, wealth. So a couple things come to mind. They may be a little scattered, but the first is, is get really comfortable with failure because the people who have the greatest success in the world are comfortable with the concept of failing. And the people often who don't go out and achieve the wealth of their dreams, it has a lot to do with their fear of failure and sometimes even fear of success. But ultimately, when we dive into that one, we also we often find there's still failure in there. So that's one thing. Another thing that I've seen huge changes in people's lives around is very spiritual and in inner work. And that is get out a piece of paper and start to write down who are the people in your life that you still have grudges with, whether they have a grudge towards you or you have a grudge towards them. 
But when you're holding on to grudges in your heart at any level with, you know, it could be close family member, it could be a distant friend, the more that you clean those out, the more you're going to be able to step into being paid what you're worth, being able to attract the money that you want, and realize that, that you know, when we hold on to that stuff, it's like drinking the poison and hoping the other person dies. But if we can look inside those relationships and find opportunities to heal and to let go of those things, we're going to be a lot better off in creating the wealth that we want in the future. Excellent. And for people who believe or are passionate about the idea of reincarnation, do you think that if they were to work on healing experiences from previous and past lives, that that is something that could possibly help them as well? I mean, maybe they'll fall into their experience and abundance of wealth that they weren't even aware about because they, they healed themselves on a different level? Totally. And this was why I ultimately got trained to do past life regression, because I could notice that I couldn't help people who had not, who had come into this life with certain beliefs about money, which is maybe reasonable for people to, um, you know, if they're open to consider. But I could see sometimes where, remember, I talked about that zero to seven and the personalities. Like, sometimes it didn't matter what happened in zero to seven. It was really before that time. And so when we go into the past lives and we can see how these patterns played out in another life, it is pretty remarkable what healing can take place in a very short amount of time. What is your technique for looking at a person's past life incarnation? I have to say, I think it's really fascinating the fact that you know, you're in wealth and finance and at the same time you're also you know, very spiritual, curious about this because you know, most people I, I talk with that are really um, focused on money or their, their, their accountants, they don't really seem to be into this at all. So I think that uh, what you're doing is very intriguing. And How do you look at a person and then gauge what kind of past life they may have had? So... The work that I do, I trained with a woman who's here in Sedona. She's been doing it for 30 or 55 years. And I feel like she's just one on the, one of the best on the planet. But she's has, it's not like I'm doing the past life or I'm going into it. I'm actually using hypnosis to take someone back so that they can pull forward whatever's ready for them to see. And we can plant seeds as the hypnosis is taking place that we really She's or he is ready to look at the past pattern that keeps coming up in this life to understand so that it can be healed and integrated moving forward. So those are the kind of plants that we're using. But sometimes we'll go in and what's so funny is we thought that it was money related, but it turned out it was much more about power, for example. Like one of my clients, we saw past life and the big realization was in this life, she had not been a powerful person and her husband had all the money and he took care of everything. And she made a decision that if you are spending the money, you are a powerful person. And so when we came out of the hypnosis and we started to do the review and just say, hey, what happened? And the the pieces started to come together after the hypnosis where she was like, wait a minute. I have lifelong, you know, she's in her 50s, I've lifelong had a problem with spending, and I'm a really smart money person. Like, she's a CPA. Like, it doesn't make any sense. But 
seeing that past life and seeing how she got, she had this idea of power being through spending, all of a sudden she just stopped spending. And she's like, like the other day I talked to her and we did a past life maybe two months ago. She's like, I have saved more money, like tens of thousands of dollars in the past 60 days than I've ever saved, like at one time. (laughs) (laughs) Have you figured out who you were? Have you you done any insight about who you you were in a previous life incarnation? Oh, yeah, because part of getting trained is doing tons and tons of them. And they've explained a lot of different things. Yeah. Well, people talk about past lives and they do the past life regressions. I'm wondering why are they only able to see what's in the past and not looking forward to the future? Because if you're, if we're infinite beings and, and outside of our waking life state and the physical body, we're, 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 we're infinite, infinite consciousness. Why would that infinite consciousness not be able to project what is forward in time as humans? And why would we not be able to perceive a reality hundreds of years ahead of our perceived time on here? Well, my teacher feels like there's no, I mean, we did future life um, regressions. So there wasn't anything stopping us from doing those. I think that the reason a lot of people focus on lives is more about, you know, what what might I be carrying with me and it could I lighten my load by seeing this movie play out, right? And and perhaps even engage in forgiveness to myself or to others. So that's the big to me, the biggest thing that I take away from past life regression is the forgiveness aspect of the life review. Like when you see that you've killed people or they've killed you and then you see that they're also showing up in this life and that there are these tensions that you don't understand, you know, and you get clarity on that. Like, I feel like we're never the same. Like we'll never look at the person in this life in the same way when we've gone through that emotional release. So listen, I'm sorry for killing you, but it's okay. (laughs) Now everything's good. Now, I guess when you come to peace, things definitely change. What do you think has been the most rewarding experience for you? in your life and how did that experience impact the way that you you also perceive money i'd have to say just starting starting this business has been by far the most rewarding thing i've ever done in my life i mean i also would say my children um and the fact that they're very wise about their money but when i think about the work that i do and i think about the emails that i wake up to every morning about you know, people who might be doing my meditations or people that I'm coaching with, and they're in the middle of the night sharing a breakthrough that changes their whole entire perspective on life, and they're so excited to share it with me because they know how excited I'm going to get for them. Like, I feel like that's why I was put on this earth, is the ability to make that kind of difference in people's lives, make all this time on, you know, in this iteration, well worth it. It's Lisa Peterson, a walking tsunami of positive energy, who's also skilled in the art of abundance. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. You can learn more about Ms. Peterson, again, by going to her website, wealthclinic.com. You can get her books. You can listen to her great podcasts. You can go to upcoming events. Ms. Peterson, it was a great pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you so much.
Thank you. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guests, Ms. Lisa Peterson. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Lisa Casa, and Ms. Constance Sellis. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. So the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, this is Ryan, host and executive producer of the Out of Limits of the Truth Radio Show. We regularly feature the virtues, which are psychic medium, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, psychic empath, Lisa Kaza, and the astrophenom astrologer, Ms. Constance Sellis. They've been a huge part of the show since we started in 2014. And I'm here to tell you today that I highly recommend getting a reading with one or all of them. They are really incredible. First off, you have Miss Carrie O'Connor. We can, you can learn more about her by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Carrie is a psychic medium. She's been talking to trees and dead people since she was three. She has a really amazing ability to read into your soul, communicate with people who've passed on, and communicate and give you some beautiful, heartwarming messages. Then you have Miss Lisa Kaza psychic empath who's absolutely incredible she's very blunt right to the point which i kind of love actually love a lot she's an empath she can really look into your soul and tell you where you're going what is your current trajectory and she can also bring a lot of peace and harmony to your life then we have the astro phenom miss constant sellers you learn more about her by going to her website at constantcellus.com. Miss Sellis can do a chart reading on you and see where's your astrological trajectory going she can answer questions about your life career should you be going after that guy or girl? Should you get that? When are you going to get that promotion? She'll answer a lot of great questions. Again, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Casa, and Miss Constance Tellis, they are a fundamental core part of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Three of the best metaphysical teachers I've ever come across. I love them dearly. And I know if you get a reading with one or all of them, you will too. Thank you. Want to be heard or seen in front of millions of people? Want to be an expert on TV or radio? Goldman McCormick PR is a New York City-based public relations agency that specializes in traditional and social media placement for law, finance, media, and corporate-based clients. Goldman McCormick PR also are specialists in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information. GoldmanMcCormick.com. 